You're listening to the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network. This is Drive Time with Travis Wingfield. Back to throw to a looking. Flips it down the wide open. <laughs> Touchdown, Tyreek Hill. Unbelievable. Just flew by him for a second time. Doing knew where he was going right away. How the hell is that, little man? I really hope you soon jump on his bandwagon. Waddle, waddle. To a shotgun. Back to throw. Looking, steps up. Fires. Touchdown. Again. It's Waddle. His sixth touchdown Six pass touchdown of the game. Drive time with Travis Wingfield begins now. Let me check your pulse if you're not fired up. What is up, Dolphins? And welcome to the Drive Time Podcast. Part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and on today's show, yeah, I did just run across the room for that What's Up, Dolphins. I want to see how it sounds. I think I'm going to keep it in. On today's show, the great BJ Kissel. You guys don't want to miss this podcast because, well, you're already here, so why am I telling you this? But BJ worked for the Chiefs and now has his own Kansas City Sports Podcasting Network, which is... Pretty cool. Pretty cool if you ask me. We'll talk to him about Dolphins and Chiefs. We'll pick the week nine games. We'll hear from the assistant coaches. All of that and more from somewhere in South Florida. This is the Drive Time Podcast. No wasting time. My guest today from KC Sports Network, BJ Kissel. I am very excited for my guest today. He is BJ Kissel, founder and CEO of the Kansas City Sports Network. Formerly, he was me of the Chiefs. He got his ring back in 2020. And BJ, it's been a long time, my man. I have so many questions for you. But first, how are you? I'm doing well. I, I appreciate this, Travis. Uh, always good to talk to you. And anytime you can bring memories of Miami, I'll always think fondly uh, of Miami and the stadium because that's where the, the Chiefs won the Super Bowl against San Francisco. Uh, one of the greatest professional moments of my life. So uh, always have a soft spot there and always enjoy talking with you, man. Like I told you, man, million questions regarding the launch of KCSN and your career to date, but we'll take that off the air after this question because I'm curious to know, as someone who won the ring with the team, but then also got a chance, and you know, I wouldn't say you're a fan now, but maybe a little bit more yeah. in the fan realm of things to get the ring in that capacity. How would you compare those two? Oh man, it's completely different. Yeah. Um, you know, so much of what we're doing now is about, you know, time uh, and just understanding the kind of the the landscape of, of sports media and kind of leaning into the platforms of where people are going right now. Um, you know, and there's, it's not a unique thing. There's a lot of people doing it around the country. Um, you know, we were able to, when we launched KC Sports Network, do it with a lot of, you know, friends, a lot of people I've known for a really long time and some really great people. Uh, and it's able to, it's been able to grow uh, pretty quickly. But yeah, I, it's been an interesting journey for me, starting off as a blogger on the outside, working my way up to, you know, insider on the sideline of a Super Bowl and then stepping away from that um, and putting some other things, my family, you know, seeing my kids and not traveling quite as much, some of those <laughs> things. Uh, I've got nothing but positive things to say about the organization and, and my time there. Uh, but you know, in your position, it's it's a demanding position and it it asks a lot of you. Uh, and for me, it was just, it was the right time. It was right when COVID kicked up and um, yeah, had a phenomenal opportunity, phenomenal people who work there. Um, and yeah, I feel blessed to have had that opportunity and uh, love what we're doing now. love what I'm doing now with the people I'm doing it with. But uh, yeah, it's been a crazy journey. 
Yeah. Speaking of that family time, I was supposed to go to Germany this week. Our, our babysitter fell through. It was going to be a whole me and my wife thing, but then the babysitter falls through and I got to do trick-or-treating last night. So not a bad trade-off there uh, with the little ones. Let's go ahead and talk about some football here though, because we have a massive, massive game and you guys have played in a lot of these over the last, you know, six plus years or whatever it is. And the dolphins are kind of getting their feet wet in these massive games against, you know, fellow contenders. Let's go ahead and start here, BJ. You know, new offensive coordinator this year and an offense that, you know, is is built around Andy Reid and Pat Mahomes, but there is a new OC there. And you've got yeah. a lot of turnover at the wide receiver position the last couple of years as well. Do you think the Chiefs have kind of used these first two months as a bit of a like filling out period? Like who are we type of period? And if so, to get through that at six and two, that to me sort of speaks to the spoiled nature of Chiefs fans the last half decade plus. <laughs> I'm glad you said that. And I will not take offense. And, and and to answer from earlier, yes, I am absolutely a fan. I was a fan before. I was a fan when I was working there. I grew up a Chiefs fan. I grew up in Kansas City. And so it was a, a natural transition for me and, and everywhere I've been to just be myself, share my feelings about things because I genuinely am optimistic and and want things to get better. And I, I like what you said there about just kind of the spoiled nature of Chiefs fans because we've definitely heard it this week. Um, you know, we've talked a lot uh, locally about, you know, the young wide receivers. It was a storyline from the beginning. I don't know how much the OC um, has to do with it. That would be more like behind the scenes of knowing what those dynamics are like. Uh, Eric Bienemy was beloved in Kansas City, but so was Matt Nagy. Um, outside of anywhere but Chicago, um, people are going to tell you positive things about Matt Nagy and what he's brought. Um, and I believe Patrick Mahomes would tell you the same thing, that he's a value add in there, um, not any more or less than than Bienemy in that way. But uh, the big storyline for the Chiefs offense in, in kind of the feeling out period, as you said, uh, we, we kind of all knew this. Um, I was on the the bandwagon of they need a veteran receiver this offseason, um, whether it was Odell Beckham, who they were linked to, or DeAndre Hopkins, who they were linked to. Uh, you know, financially, they can only do so much uh, and get creative with the cap and do different things. But uh, they kind of bet on this young receiving group uh, developing. Uh, they whether or not us fans on the outside have sped up what we want to see that development process look like, or whether it's in the line with what they expected only coach Reed and the, and the guys in the room could probably tell you that. Uh, but from the outside, I won't, I'm not going to sit here and say, I'm completely surprised uh, at what we're seeing because, you know, we've talked a lot about this over the last you know couple of weeks, especially, you know, so far this week, but you know, you are asking those, those six and they kept seven wide receivers on the roster this year you know, for the chiefs, you were asking every one of those guys to be better than they've ever been in their career, which is a big ask to make everybody step forward in order for your offense to function the way that you are accustomed to seeing them function. And so much, and I don't know anything about Mike McDaniel's system other than to your point, he seems like a really fun guy to cover. <laughs> I think I would love covering Mike McDaniel and his just sarcastic way of doing that. It's just exactly what's needed right now in my opinion uh with the way sports media and social media and all that like it's a perfect fit uh there but you know with Andy Reid's offense so much of, of what they put on these receivers isn't necessarily they call a play and they know what route they're running you know they run out and they read where the linebackers are they read what the coverage is and that dictates whether it's a 10-yard route or a five-yard out um, whether it's a slant, like all the different things, there's option routes within all of these things. And they all have specific responsibilities to pull safeties, pull linebackers away from other areas to create space for guys to be open. Well, if one guy is off on that, it changes everything about where Patrick Mahomes expects defenders to be. 
Uh, it's a very fluid type thing. I know Chris Conley years ago said that Andy Reid's offense is a fluid thing and it's always changing. There's an answer for everything, but it puts a lot on those young receivers. So even going into the trade deadline, the point was it's going to be really hard for them to trade for even the most talented receiver in the NFL to come in and pick up this offense right away. All they could really do is kind of what they did with Kadarius Tony last year when they traded for him was they gave him a certain package set of plays that they learn and he knows those plays. Chiefs are in a position where they need somebody that can go out there and, and get open against zone, get open against man, and know the rules within the offense and be where Patrick Mahomes expects. Haven't seen it from the young group yet. All of the analytics, the numbers back that up. The things that we see on the field are backing that up. But it, it's not dire because they're still a top 10 offense. It's just not the everything's being lit on fire that we've come to see, kind of like what we're seeing down in Miami, it seems like. I was going to say. Um, yeah, so it. I think they're going to get there. They have all the pieces in place that they need outside of some young receivers believing they can get there. The people in the room think they can get there. They were drafted for a reason. They're there for a reason. It's just you haven't seen that development yet, and that's going to be the storyline for the Chiefs for the rest of the regular season. This is why you were the perfect guest to get on for the show today because my next question was, you know, I haven't studied the Chiefs like up close and personal since 2020, the last time the Dolphins played against KC down here in Miami. And the first thing I noticed was like all these concepts that I, I recognize, you know, there's certain mm-hmm. route combinations that you've seen across the entire National Football League. And then all of a sudden, Travis Kelsey just stops doing what you you think is supposed <laughs> to happen on that play and goes somewhere else or turns over the wrong shoulder. It's it's fascinating to watch because he does that. And you're thinking that's a broken play. But then Mahomes is like somehow telepathically on the same page. But it sounds like you're telling me that's the entire offense, which would make sense of why it is difficult for younger players. And in my in my preview podcast, I talked about how the Chiefs receiving core is essentially rebuilt over the last two years. Everyone from that's playing right now has been acquired over the last couple of seasons. So yeah. do you think that that is the so I guess you kind of answered it already, but it's it's beyond just Kelsey who does that, it sounds like. Yeah, no, they all do it. But this year specifically, I don't know if Travis Kelsey, like I'm sure they call play and he has a route, but I think he and Mahomes just kind of understand. And I've joked because I you see like the next gen stats graphics that come out that show like routes. Yeah. And Kelsey's are just like a bunch of zigzag, like it's not actual routes. It's not a route. Like you look at it, like there's no way that that's a drawn route. Anybody's ever anything <laughs> like there's no way that's the actual route, but it's him just kind of running out there reading that he's basically doing what Mahomes is doing in the pocket. He's just doing it. He's running down the field and he'll just turn around and get open. And he and Patrick Mahomes just have that thing where they understand where each other, you know, need to be. And I, I've said before that, you know, both of those guys, Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes, they get all the credit in the world for the highlights. And we talk about the, the, the things that they've done, but it's the mental side of understanding the game, understand what defenses are trying to do that has probably never gotten enough credit and has been more you know instrumental in their success than the physical attributes. And I think Travis Kelsey's game, if that guy wants to play till he's in his forties, he can lose all the athleticism in the world, but he's got enough to get open because he knows how to read a coverage. He knows, you know, where to kind of wiggle and where to kind of press on the the different, you know, rules of defenses. These guys study the defense as much as they study, you know, their offense at this point. They know what these guys on the defense are being taught to do in certain situations and they know how to exploit it. And so you see a lot of Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelly. He just runs across the middle and uh, those, you know, a five to seven yard route. But yeah, it's it's definitely a different look for the chiefs offense. I mean, ever, you know, since Tyreek Hill left, you know, I saw a stat, you know, this past week that Marquez Valdez Scantling caught a touchdown. It's like a 47 yard touchdown a couple weeks ago on a broken play. And it was the first touchdown pass that Patrick Mahomes had thrown over 20 yards in the air since the beginning of the 2021 season. 
And that was, that blew my mind yeah, to think crazy. about that. And you look at his like deep passing, like the, the 20 yards or more air yards from the first few years of his career to now completely different. They've re kind of revamped that offense. And it's a testament to Andy Reid. It's a testament to Patrick Mahomes. They don't have, you know, the most explosive player in NFL history on their roster anymore. He's down uh, with you guys, uh, you know, being a front runner for the MVP right now. Uh, <laughs> but it's, it's been a credit to them, but also it's been, a maturation process for chiefs fans that are accustomed to just bombs all over the place that, Hey, it's going to look a little different now. And honestly, right now they're leaning more in their defense um, and their defense has been much better uh, than it's been at any point in Patrick Mahomes career. And so uh, it's a give and take it's that complimentary football, but yeah, again, it goes back to those young receivers. And, you know, I, I, this week, I didn't necessarily call him out, but Marquez Valdez Scantling is to me, the guy who needs to step up. He's a veteran in that room. Uh, he's been in the system as long as anybody, uh, somebody needs to step up and start taking some of those big targets. And, um, that guy has not yet emerged outside of Travis Kelsey. You once again have answered my next question here, because I was going to ask you which guy you want to look at with the rest of the eligibles in terms of who the Dolphins should pay attention to, uh, beyond Travis Kelsey. And, you know, I always start these shows by asking the opposing reporter or, you know, analyst about the opposing quarterback, but, and, and no slight to Mahomes. I just don't think it's necessary because I know what we're getting. I know he's probably the best of all time, in my opinion, uh, to play this position, to play this sport. And so I, I think the the stat you gave me about the, you know, 20 air yard throws, to me, that's a credit to him in terms of the maturation of his, you know, his development as a quarterback. You know, we see Josh Allen has kind of taken that same approach where teams are saying you're not going to get the deep ball. And if you don't have a guy who can run through bracket coverages like we have down here every single week for a long touchdown, yeah. it makes it a little bit tougher. So you allude to the tough defense the Chiefs have played this year. I'll go ahead and skip forward to that because. And and I'll throw this in there. I, I think MVS needs Marquez Valdez-Gantley needs to be the one to step up because he's getting. His cap hits $11 million. The entire sure. Chiefs cap hit room outside of him is nine and a half. I mean, he is the one guy getting paid in that room. Somebody's got to step up. I think he should be doing more. But what we've seen on the field is that Patrick Holmes trusts Justin Watson. If he's throwing the ball deep, he will give Justin Watson a 50-50 ball and a chance to go make a play. So if he's going to throw it deep, chances are better than not that it's going to go to 84. It's going to go to Justin Watson. And then uh, Rashi Rice, uh, number yeah. four, the rookie, has been a guy across the middle that has made some plays and stepped up. Uh, for the Chiefs, but again, you're asking a lot of some young receivers who haven't proven to be able to do that yet. Now uh, they can't prove it until they have the opportunity to go out there and make the plays. But um, Justin Watson, he was banged up for a little bit, missed some time with injury, and now he's back. Uh, he might be the Chiefs' number one wide receiver, which is crazy. There are a lot of fans here locally that didn't think that didn't want him to even make the roster, and as it looks right now, he's one of the guys that Patrick Mahomes you can tell trust. Yes, like as you mentioned, it's funny how it goes. You have Sky Moore, second round draft pick. You trade a mid uh, draft pick for Kadarius Tony. You go out and you put the big free agent tag on Marquez Valdez Scantling, and sometimes it just works out that way, where somebody else rises up and and becomes that guy. And uh, you know, I, I mentioned the defense, or you mentioned the defense in the previous answer. I think it starts with Chris Jones. That that would be pretty foolish mm -hmm. to go anywhere else with this mm -hmm. defense. Just want to get your take on on the attention that he commands and kind of who benefits the most from all that he does because he's one of these players where. You know, you can you can be a guy who eats up double teams and your production goes down. It's an impactful game, even though your stat sheet isn't impactful. But he does that and still impacts the stat sheet. Tell us about Chris Jones and the impact he has. Yeah, he's a game wrecker. He's been every bit as advertised. I think he's probably coming off what what and I haven't seen the reports or you know the the pressers with him, but probably his worst game so far this year. He had been so dominant that coming off the Denver game, uh, didn't make the same kind of impact that we had seen 
uh, in other games this season, but yeah, every he opens up everything. You go back and watch a lot of the the highlights so far. Last couple of games of Charles Amenahu, uh, who's probably the biggest free agent pickup for the Chiefs defensively on what he can do athletically uh, with the stunts, the twists, and is it just athleticism along the defensive line that he's going to be one of the guys who really benefits from a lot of the attention that Chris has gotten. Haven't seen or I don't have a ton of examples of it just because he did serve a six game suspension to start the season. Uh, but you've some of the highlights from the games of the last few weeks defensively, some interceptions inside the red zone, some key third down stops. Most of it is because, and you go back and watch the all 22 and you see what's going on. There's so much attention on Chris that the other guys are wreaking havoc. And uh, one particular instance inside the red zone, it was Charles Amena who got put one-on-one right guard slid over to help with Chris Jones because Chris will move around. Uh, Chris will basically get to choose on third downs, which offensive lineman he lines up over. And then everybody kind of adjusts to that. Uh, but it's all predicated on Chris, the attention he gets, but can't not mention George Karloftis, the yeah. second year edge rusher. He has been phenomenal so far for the chiefs this year. I think he's in the top six or eight in pressures um, quarterback pressures, according to pro football focus uh, just had two and a half sacks against Denver. I think the chiefs as a whole are on pace to set a franchise record for sacks this season. Uh, their defensive line is solid. They're banged up at linebacker right now. It's probably one of the bigger outside of wide receivers and just the passing game. The the depth at linebacker is going to be something to watch for this one. Willie Gay Jr. is out with an injury. We know Nick Bolton broke his wrist. He's out for two months uh, as their pro bowl kind of all everything middle linebacker guy who gets everybody set. Uh, Drew Tranquil uh, has been phenomenal as an offseason pickup for the Chiefs and uh, extremely valuable that he was added, but uh, their two best linebackers or two of their three best linebackers um, are down and will probably likely not play against Miami. So that's something. And then the secondary has been great. Uh, Trent McDuffie is a blossoming star uh, in the NFL. He is a stud at cornerback. Now he's got his work cut out for him, uh, obviously against uh, the Dolphins and then Legereus Sneed. Uh, it's coming off a tough game. He had four penalties last week against the Broncos, but he's generally the one that follows the best receiver. Uh, Steve Spagnuolo likes to do that. And so you'll see 38 lined up um, on those guys. But normally he takes the bigger body guy. Uh, when you have two lightning fast dudes, I have no idea um, how they're going to try to contain this offense. But the Chiefs defense has been uh, a surprisingly um, great storyline so far at a time that they're six and two because of the defense uh, while the offense is still trying to figure things live nation presents concert week now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids, Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25 until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. That's crazy to think about. I mean, because it's it's one of these situations where I look back to like the Patriots run for two decades where sometimes it didn't really come together until, you know, Halloween or Thanksgiving. And it seems like the Chiefs could be on the exact same track where all of a sudden the defense is really good and the, the offense is going to figure it out at some point. Like I, I would not bet against the Chiefs for 20 games or whatever they play this year to not you know, become that explosive version of themselves on offense like they are they are every single year. It also sounds like maybe for the first time all year, Miami might be on the benefit of the injury report this week because Dolphins are getting some some guys back. It sounds like Connor Williams could return possibly to Ron Armstead to the offensive line against that Chiefs front that had generated all that pressure. And on the other side, you talk about the Chiefs, you know, receiving core. Jalen Ramsey's back. It sounds like Xavier Howard's going to play. Javon Holland's back as well. Mm-hmm. Could be the first game we have 
with Holland, Ramsey, and Xavier Howard in the entire year. So we kind of have that same thing in terms of haven't seen the full complement, but they're six and two in a great spot heading into a game that, to me, BJ, I, I think this game could determine home field advantage in the AFC. It's it's that big of a game, uh, you know, at this point of the year. Let's go ahead and finish with this though, because you touched on all the defensive positions and great stuff there. I'm curious to see what it looks like without Nick Bolton, but you know, Steve yeah. Spagnolo is one of the famed pressure creators in the national football league's history whether it's those giants teams and just sending four-man rushers and getting a super bowl championship out of it or this mm. chiefs team that likes to blitz so much with you know last year cover zero blitzes this year it seemed to be more fire zones just tell me what you mm. think it looks like on sunday because like you mentioned this offense if you blitz them you can get burned if you hang back like it's tough to deal with this dolphins offense what do you think we see on sunday you know, if I if I had the answer to that question, I would yeah. be in quarter. What I would do, honestly, is I would blitz the ever loving out of them. I don't care if you get burned. If you sit back there long enough, Tyreek, Jalen Wallace, those guys, they're gonna run through your brackets. They're gonna run through your zones. And the more if you get the ball out of his hands, you have a chance to rally tackle and bring him down or cause some sort of disruption. I always like the pressure. That's why I, I love Steve Spagnolo's defensive coordinator. He's not afraid to go zero and just send the house. Uh, it's a lot easier said than done when you're dealing with the speed that they've got in the background to put those guys in one-on-one. I wouldn't expect necessarily a ton of cover zero <laughs> against this group uh, because of what they can do with them. You know, one-on-one is a tough situation. It's a lot to ask, but you put a couple safeties back and you do a lot of zone blitzes, try to get the ball out of his hands and then come up and make tackles. It's probably their best bet. But again, they have had some success getting pressure just with the four guys. Um, He's not afraid to send the pressure, especially you get into those shot areas. You get into the, you know, 30 to 50 yard, like 30, 30 yard line to midfield. Uh, it's when the Dolphins like to take shots, when all NFL teams like to take those deep shots. Uh, but it's also when Spags likes to send the house. So that part of it, I'm fascinated to see how they try and um, and attack it. Not to say last week was a trap game. Whenever things like this happen where the Chiefs kind of have their backs against the wall, we've seen it during Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. We all kind of get sucked into the, I don't feel good about this. And then they come out and play really well. Um, I wouldn't expect, you know, that game against the the Broncos last week, it was the first time in 41 consecutive games that the Chiefs had lost by more than a possession um, or been down by even more than a possession, I think, or something like that. It That wasn't that. I think it was lost by more than a possession. It's crazy stat um, that Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid had together. But uh, I think you're exactly right. I think that there's um, a good chance that this game will determine – in some very impactful way who has home field advantage. The chiefs obviously hosting at five straight years would love to continue hosting it. Patrick Mahomes never played an AFC championship game anywhere, but Arrowhead stadium. Um, but we'll see what happens. And maybe you can uh, come back to South Florida and enjoy our beautiful facilities. Once again, in the AFC championship game this time around, perhaps, and maybe don't get the same result this time though. We'll still, <laughs> that's a, that's a long <laughs> way down the road. Um, I always end these conversations the exact same way. And you've been great so far, BJ. So I appreciate your time today, but the Chiefs will win this game if, and the Dolphins will win this game if, and then you kind of round out those blanks for us. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, Chiefs will win this game if they do not turn the ball over. Um, I think that's probably more uh, the Chiefs will absolutely not win if they do turn it over as opposed to guaranteeing they will if they don't. Uh, and then the Dolphins will win this game. I'll say the same thing if they don't turn it over. I think giving either one of these offenses extra possessions uh, is going to be the detriment to the other. I think both offenses will score. I think, you know, as much as we've seen the Chiefs offense struggle, again, when Andy Reid gets in these positions and he has time, uh, they'll put a game plan together that could be successful. Now, how much is that 
leaning on the development of the young receivers and just making them do what's right or pivoting and saying, okay, we're going to change some things up, simplify some things uh, to go find success. No one's going to question Andy Reid in that regard. So I'm excited to see how much better they get because, um, you know, he's banked on this group and he's one of the best coaches in NFL history for a reason. He's an offensive genius in that way. Um, I'm not unlike a young Mike McDaniel right now in the way that he's being described. Uh, so I'm really excited for this game. I'm excited that it's early. Get up, get it done, get it taken care of, and then um, have the rest of your day with with the kiddos. But it's going to be a good one. I, it's crazy to me that that Germany gets the NFL game of the year, <laughs> the regular season game of the year, yeah, uh, and not that game playing in Arrowhead. But uh, it's going to be a fun one. Man, so much of this conversation, BJ, was like looking in a mirror in terms of the way you see the game and just your overall thoughts and comments on your team and the Dolphins as well. Really good stuff, man. BJ Kissel, KC Sports Network, excellent content over there on all things. Chiefs, Royals, Wildcats, Sporting KC, if we get that far into it. Yeah, Sporting, that's why I said I'm excited for Sunday because the Chiefs game is at 830, obviously Chiefs-Dolphins at 830, and we've got a big soccer game, the playoff uh, game two against uh, St. Louis uh, at 4 o'clock on Sunday afternoon and then uh, sporting KC can advance in the playoffs against a newish rival. The St. Louis brought their soccer team back, but KC and St. Louis has got the rivalry going on. So there's been a lot of trash talk so far between the fan bases. So we've got some soccer and I'm not a huge soccer guy, but obviously with the network, we've got yeah. great soccer content with our hosts over there and uh, they've been mixing it up with the St. Louis fans. So it's going to be a fun one. And maybe one of these days, Messi coming to a town near you from inter Miami as well. Great stuff, BJ. Appreciate your time today, man. Keep up the great work. It's awesome to see you thriving and killing it, man. Appreciate it. And away he goes. Uh, Just a really big fan of what BJ has done in his post-Chiefs career. Pretty cool to hear him talk about uh, how they've grown and how they've established a foothold there in the KC sports uh, market. Pretty cool. Let's go ahead and take our last break right there. Come back on the other side. We'll hear from Vic Fangio and Frank Smith and pick the Week 9 games. That's next. Drive Time Podcast, your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. Segment three here on a Thursday ahead of week nine kicking off tonight. We'll pick the games here in just one second. But first, let's go ahead and hear from both Vic Fangio and Frank Smith. And before I play their sound bites, the disparity in their experience in Germany, and Frank Smith has German heritage, but the difference in their answers about how special it was to go over there. Vic basically saying, just another game for me. I go to the practice field, I go to the hotel. And then Frank kind of wax poetic about <laughs> the experience of playing in Germany. I just thought it was the perfect description of both of those men and how they view things. Let's go ahead and pick this up, though, with Frank Smith, who touched on Tyreek Hill and the impact that he's had in this Dolphins offense, who, by the way, is your AFC Offensive Player of the Month. He's the second Dolphin to win the award this year, Tua back in September. So after 30 years between Scott Mitchell and Tua hoisting the award for Miami, Miami had a Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Full month off before getting the award again. Frank Smith asked about Tyreek Hill's impact on the offense. In today's press conference, here is the Dolphins' OC. His work ethic and how competitive he is. Uh, it's just every day's commitment towards uh, maximizing his time and just being you know, the best player and the best he can be 
So seeing him in all those years in division and just, you know, really hoping he wasn't going to have a day, it's just awesome to be on the same side of the ball for him for the last two years. How about your quarterback, Frank? What does Tua do that makes him so special? And there was a great chart that came out on uh, Thursday morning over here in the States where somebody said, oh, I'm so surprised to see Tua was one of the top quarterbacks after his first read. It's like, yeah, it's because you have narratives that you want to portray, and you're just wrong about the quarterbacks. So let's go ahead and hear from Frank Smith on what makes this quarterback one of the best in the National Football League. The way he sees the game is, is you know, it's really, you know, one of his gifts. So I think ultimately is um, he's grown within the system and within what we're trying to do here with everyone. I don't, you know, you just see him really just taking things and his understanding and his communication, everything just keeps growing and growing and growing. So ultimately it's like, you know, the challenge is, you know, each week, you know, trying to really improve upon what you did last week. And I mean, between whether it's two or the whole, you know, composite of the whole offense. I mean, that's just an approach that everyone has. And, um, you know, it's great when your quarterback has that mindset of every day to attack and make the best of it. Two more here for the Dolphins OC. First, the Chiefs defense. What makes them so productive as they've found their way into being a top 10 unit this year? Well, it seems they're playing very well together. Um, you know, ultimately the last couple of years there, they've had a lot of success. Um, you know, the... You know, the players they got, they seem to have a very good understanding of the system, uh, communicating together, working together real well. So it'd be a tough challenge for us this Sunday, and we're really looking forward to it. And we'll go ahead and close up with that comment I mentioned earlier about going to Germany and the atmosphere he expects on Sunday. Here's Frank Smith. I don't know. I mean, uh, doing two London games, uh, the atmosphere is fantastic. So here with being the first game in Frankfurt, imagine it's going to be fan- it's be very much uh, similar to a playoff game in America. So uh, looking forward to the energy and just seeing uh, what it's going to be like. But there's playing in these games has really been, you know, an awesome experience for all of us been able to be a part of it. So we're really looking forward to it and enjoying it. Vic Fangio was asked two questions that I thought were worth putting in the podcast. One, how do you stop Travis Kelsey and how do you stop Patrick Mahomes? I'm going to run those back to back for you all right here. He lines up all over the place, so occasionally that could happen with him and Jalen. Um, he's tough, you know. He's a great tight end. He runs really good routes. Um, him and the quarterback have great karma together, you know, especially as plays extend. And um, he's tough to, you know, stop totally there. He's caught over 100 balls how many years in a row, so really nobody's figured that out. And Mahomes. You know, just trying to keep him from having a unbelievable game. You know, he's always played well. Um, you know, and try and hopefully limit the uh, improvised plays, you know, where he starts scrambling around, making great throws on the run, guys getting open, him pulling the ball down and running it himself for critical first downs. Um, you know, he's he's really tough. You know, you got to defend the play they call in the huddle, which is hard enough, and then you have to defend the play that he creates after the first one breaks down a little bit. Every week I do these picks and I cut the primetime music to go along with the picks. I always just record the audio first, or rip it, I should say, and then I kind of try to pair it up to the voice recording I do. And so if it doesn't match, I apologize. And last week I... Uh, was sick and I forgot to add the music. And so I think I called for music and then didn't play it. So 
you know, sometimes this one-man operation, some things fall through the cracks, but I digress. Let's go ahead and continue here with the Week 9 NFL picks. Go ahead and cue the music right there. Mark it at 775 on my bars on GarageBand. You guys don't record on GarageBand? What an amateur, huh? Um, so I was trying to hit 72% this year to reflect the 1972 Miami Dolphins, who went 17-0. But we have fallen well short of that goal at 83 and 39 with 68% of the picks, right? A couple of seven win weeks will do that. Last week, 11 and 5. You want to be 12 and 4 on those 16 game weeks. This week, we have how many buys do we have this week? Doing some live research here on the Drive Time Podcast. Four buys, that means 16 games minus four teams means 14 games. So a chance to get. Over 90 wins here with a seven win week. We don't want that. We got to go 10 and four. That's that's the goal here. So let's go ahead and start tonight. Now cue the music at bar number 800. Uh, tonight, Thursday night football. I choose to not buy into a rookie quarterback after their first breakout performance to follow it up. And even though I think the Steelers are like, you want to talk about the word fraud. Like, I don't believe in that so much, but the Steelers at four and three. And then after I pick them here to go five and three, you want to talk fraud? That's a fraud. I don't know how that team has won that many games, but I'm taking them tonight to get to five and three at the midway point on Sunday morning. You already know I'm taking the Dolphins over the Chiefs. I do hope we don't have to see two backup guards, though. Hopefully Rob Hunt can get out there on Friday's practice and be good to go for Sunday. But right now, not looking great. I'll take the... Falcons over the Vikings. There are a lot of teams in the league right now that have quarterbacks that I just like to say cannot play. I do not believe in the Vikings ability to win with Jerron Hall. Maybe, maybe Josh Dobbs gives them some hope in some of these bad teams down the stretch, but the Falcons with Taylor Heineke was a good move. I still don't love the quarterback position there in general. That was, to me, the biggest um, what's the one I'm looking for here? That was the biggest, like what are you doing of the entire offseason? It was them and Washington not getting better quarterbacks because I thought Washington and Atlanta both had good rosters, but they went into the year with Sam Howell and Desmond Ritter as the number ones unchallenged. Big mistake. Uh, so give me the Falcons there. Give me the Saints over the Bears. Talk about a team that can't win because the quarterback can't play. Well, that's the Chicago Bears. Give me the Rams over the Packers. Unless there's no Matt Stafford, then I flipped that. Um, I'm pretty excited about my quarterback track record, but Jordan Love... I will say the Packers offense is like very prehistoric, which is a bad sign for Matt LaFleur. And so I'm not going to say that Jordan Love cannot play. I think that he can play, but right now he, he just can't in this offense. So unless uh, Matt Stafford sits out, I'm taking the Rams. But if he does sit out, I'm taking the Packers. Patriots over Washington. I think things are about to get very ugly in the nation's capital after trading away two of their best players. And Jonathan Allen was already pissed off about losing games before. He might be just ready to shut things down over there. I wouldn't say that he would quit on his team, but I, I can see him being like, F this stuff. Give me the Ravens over the Seahawks in a game that hopefully goes the opposite way. But Seattle traveling east against what I think is a very, very good Baltimore team. Give me Lamar and the team in purple. Texans over Bucks. I was very conflicted here, but ultimately I think Baker Mayfield has worn out his welcome already. Watching that game on Thursday night when he's bailed on clean pockets. The minute quarterbacks start bailing on clean pockets, that's when Travis starts to bail on said quarterbacks. CJ Stroud does not do that. He's elite in the pocket, I think. Give me the Texans over the Bucks. Give me the Browns over the Cardinals. Hey, quarterbacks who can't play. Clayton Toon? Cool, man. You're going to go to Cleveland in that crappy weather against that great defense? I was really trying to pick Arizona here, but they don't want to win, so we'll go ahead and give the Browns the dub. Give me the Colts over the Panthers. You know, cool to get their first win last week for Bryce Young and Frank Reich, but I think they're going to run to God 
avenge you in this one and go back to the losing ways. Giants over the uh, Raiders. I mean, I'm not picking the Raiders the rest of the way. I think you can see why. Eagles over the Cowboys. I would like a redaction on my Super Bowl pick in the NFC. I picked the Cowboys to beat the Eagles in the NFC Championship game, and that was stupid. Give me the Bengals over the Bills on Sunday Night Football. Can you guys imagine a world where we win on Sunday morning and the Bills lose on Sunday night? Can you imagine that over the Chiefs and over the Bengals? Whoo, buddy, that would be nice for us. And then Monday night, very conflicted here because I think the Jets can really put it to a quarterback who doesn't see the field very well in Justin Herbert, but I think that the Jets quarterback is in that same category as Clayton Toon as well as Jaron Hall. So give me the Chargers on the road on Monday night football. All right, that's your podcast. Uh, We're going to go ahead and come back tomorrow. I have a special guest from the German Dolphins fan club. He is the founder of the German Dolphins fan club. So you don't want to miss that. I'm not sure if I have another like primetime guest I'm supposed to hear back, so I'll let you guys know. You know, I'll, I'll tease it on Twitter if I get one. But in the meantime, today is going to be my time. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast from. Go ahead and leave us that rating. Leave us that review. You can follow me on social at Wingfield NFL. Follow the team at Miami Dolphins. Check out my guys Seth and Juice on the Fish Tank podcast, as well as us together on the post-game show. The minute the game hits triple zeros, you can hear us on the iHeart app on 105.9 FM and 9.40 AM here in South Florida. And of course, the YouTube channel for media availabilities, Dolphins Today, and so much more. And last but not least, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up, Carolina and Cameron, Daddy. Daddy.